0: This is our last episode for the season, except for those that are $5 or more patrons. Become a Patreon supporter for the show at patreon.com slash other need help. And you'll get an extra episode of our third season as well. You'll receive weekly emails and some upcoming merchandise and surprises all while helping us build out the next season of our beloved show. With that, we'd like to thank our current patrons and, honestly, the real executive producers of Season 3. Courtney Antonioli, Aaron Barker, Gene Bullock, Jason Burke, Brianna Carney, Eli Chen, Kevin Cobb, Ruth Chan, Josh Cohen, Jeraliah Craig, Stacey Curry, Dave, Ian Fox, Reva Goldberg, Nessa Greenberg, Lindsay Hoffman, Adam Keller, David Kleonsky, Rona Kleonsky burke Mary Lister, Erica Lucci, Kevin Maher, Tim Manley, Dominic Maas, Ricardo Osuna, Henry Peterson, Seth Pinckney, Logan Rappaport, Rob Schulte, Stuart Scotton, Lydia Stockton, and Michael Truppiano. Thank you so much to our patrons, and you too can become one at patreon.com othermen other men Paul's a hip-hop head. So am I. And on the day I came to interview him, he was doing some early spring cleaning. In particular, he was going through his CDs to find out what he was going to get rid of. Most of these were hip-hop CDs. And some of the most boring things you'll have to listen to are men like Paul and myself, as aging hip-hop heads, going on about the music of their youth. So I'm sorry for what you're about to experience. This Kid Capri? i remember seeing it, but I never... Oh, it's pretty
1: good. Oh, I remember definitely when the Eminem the on um, some Shady LP and The Roots, Things Fall Apart, if I'm not mistaken, came out on the same day. It was a Tuesday in February of 1997, 98? Um, technically, it was February
0: 23rd, 1999. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, what are we here to talk about again? Well, the reason I was there actually came up when we came across Paul's copy of Redman's "There's a Dark Side, released on Tuesday, November 22nd, 1994. Paul's copy of this seminal sophomore LP from Redman had some baggage to it. Paul borrowed it, heavy air quotes there, from his best friend Dave in high school. And a bit of tit for tat ensued.
1: Did you ever mention to you, like, Hey, where's my Dark Side CD? Absolutely. Oh, he'd bring it up all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 Now you can come get that, you, whatever. It's all good, yeah. It's just at my house. But I sure as hell wasn't gonna bring it to him.
0: Paul and I had a lot of the same albums. We even stole a lot of the same CDs from friends of ours. And we each had friends we'd argue with about the best albums or the worst hip hop lyrics. For Paul, that friend was named Dave. They met around fourth grade when Dave moved into Paul's neighborhood as a new kid from Chicago. Literally the day he moved onto Paul's block. Paul went to talk to him and they bonded over the bulls and then both stared at another neighbor who was
1: just outside being weird. He was just throwing a ball against his house, like real forlorn, like standing out on the stoop, just like looking wild, lonely. We were just like, this is the saddest shit we've ever seen.
0: Paul and Dave had an instant bond. They geeked out over everything, from their weird neighbor and eventual friend, Asad, to the NBA. They obviously geeked out over music, but it evolved into something deeper as they got into high school and then college. We started talking about um, more serious things. Paul self-labeled as a geeky guy. Dave was, too. And they had a crew, but Dave was the one that Paul could get vulnerable with. It wasn't just, hey, is this album hot or what all the time? They
1: even looked ahead to what their future might look like. Future wives, raising kids, all these topics just started happening all of a sudden, like around 18, 19, 20 years old. And eventually, I think those layers just peeled back. But I definitely was open to like pushing those discussions and pushing that kind of maturity and seemed like he was down.
0: Even when they headed off to different colleges, they were in constant communication. We talked on the phone, like religiously, several times a week, maybe even every day. Paul and I had very similar rites of passage and memories with our best friends growing up. But Paul experienced something I haven't yet, losing his best friend. When was the last time you saw Dave and when was the last time we talked to him?
1: I literally think the last thing that we, we actually exchanged was like a sex joke or something. Like something real dumb. You know, the actual scenario for what happened with Dave was like he went home from a night, college night out, whatever. Definitely, I'm sure, had been drinking, went to bed. And then there was a like an electrical fire, like a malfunction with his toaster that like sparked something that probably caught a drape or maybe vinyl, like his records. Dave died in the fire, and Paul
0: got the news from his dad. When the call came in, Paul was working on a project with a few classmates in his room.
1: I went towards the bathroom to, like, kind of excuse myself, get myself together a little bit, let something out, and, like, went in there, definitely, like, broke down, recomposed, opened the door to come out, and was, like, walking back to the living room, and, like, then just started getting really wobbly, like, My vision was getting a little blurry. I was like not physically really moving well. And these girls like got up and really helped me, like sat me down and like still it was awkward and I was really upset.
0: Paul was 20 years old. And this call and this experience is one of my big fears and biggest questions. How will I react when I lose my best friend? And for Paul, This meant he had to publicly verbalize what his friend meant to him. Do you still have the eulogy?
1: I do. Yeah. I have a copy with it. Dave Ellis is not just my best friend, he's a mentality. While words are innately inaccurate and limited in their capacity to express our deepest emotions, I will still try my best to explain. When I first met Dave, sometime around fourth or fifth grade, He was merely a goofy kid from Downers Grove, Illinois, and me, his nerdy neighbor.
0: Paul's eulogy does a lot to encapsulate his timeline with Dave. The beats of a life together, like the memories of begging Dave for snacks whenever Paul came
1: over. I'm saying, for someone who always had at least four cases of soda in that back room, he noticed every can I took. And the frequency of their phone calls. Or calling my cell phone more times
0: than I hope my girlfriend or wife ever does. And along with all those memories, Paul's reflection of his friendship and his thoughts of what could have been felt really mature for someone who was only 20.
1: In the past two years, David and I began to really grow closer. We had been for a few years on the verge of moving out of the crash jokes and similar music tastes phase and into another stage of our lives. I guess for so long, we assumed that since we grew up together, that our relationship was normal, just like everyone else is with their friends. But as we drifted off to college, we learned how long we were and began to really care for each other. David and I talked about the future constantly. We talked about love, intimacy, sex, partying, music, philosophy, current events, anything that needed to be aired out. I could write about David forever and probably take up this whole service and 10 more with memories of my own, but I won't. I don't need to throw these memories out into the sea because David is forever with me. When I meet a girlfriend, my wife, new friends, listen to a new record, or hear something absurd on the news, I will think of Dave. He is a prism through which I observe life down to its closest detail, and as such his image and how he crafted my personality will be with me until the day that I too move on. You are young Dave and you will be missed, but rest assured that the sound of a drum, a kick, and maybe a scratch here and there will forever overwhelm that petty fire. With love and respect, Paul Walker.
0: Paul's eulogy, it's a beautiful tribute. And part of that reflection feels so pure.
1: That always fascinated me, like how we relegate certain things to the past when I don't really think they're really back there. Like they're kind of in this perpetual present or like always just the dangling carrot ahead of like, yeah, when I get married, I'm thinking about Dave. Like your relationship to your memories evolves. You know, as much as it sucks to write a eulogy because the conditions why we write eulogies suck, but that act of remembrance. The actual act of this sort of testimony, I think, is kind of eternal, like it's always happening. It just so happens that that time you're doing it consciously because, you know, we have a structure around the fact that we give eulogies. You're always, I think, I'm always at least doing that kind of remembrance, like actively in my head about people or about events.
0: The first friend I remember making was in kindergarten. His name was Max. And we did some version of patty cake on the playground. I remember coming home and saying to my mom, I made a friend. It felt very special. Since then, I've fallen in with different groups of friends. I made dumb decisions, like how my friend Sanjay and I would steal his mom's car to drive around in before we even had licenses. And I moved around and made friends in South America, Canada, Western Pennsylvania, back in Maryland, Minnesota, and my adopted home of New York City. Decades of friendship all over. And in all of those years, I'm lucky that not one of those people passed away. And sitting there with Paul asking about a terrible loss in his life, I wondered what I was after. Not only with Paul, Why the hell did I spend a few years talking to men about friendship? Like, what did I want to learn about men and their friendships that I couldn't answer based on my own life experience? And the eulogy discussion clarified something for me. I think we lose that ability as we get older to be as open with our friends as Paul and Dave were. But for most of us, as our friendships age, that leaves the eulogy as the one time where you get to verbalize your memories of a friendship. And I think that's sort of what I've been after. What if we didn't put the weight of all these memories on a single eulogy? If we took more moments to say, here's what you've meant to me. And from my experience in doing a season, talking to you and your friends, every man has something to say. I asked everyone I talked to, what's their favorite memory with their best friend? Or in the more poetic words of Paul, what's their perpetual present? For Michael, when he talks about Jason, he mentions the last time they were together during the holidays.
1: I felt like I was where I was supposed to be and he was—he he felt like, like he was in a good place and um, just really enjoying each other's company. I guess it was like this solidifying, like, we're going to do this every year. Like, let's just do this every year.
0: For Darnell and Demetrius, it might be the way they greet each other 90% of the time. Quoting, Death Becomes Her. Or we'll do a scene from um, our favorite movie, which is Death Becomes Her. (laughs) We'll see each other. We'll be like,
1: now a warning. (laughs) So, after, you know, after Meryl Streep um, took the potion uh, to to be young forever, the the witch lady was like, "Okay, now, air of caution." She was like, "Now a warning after I took this this life changing potion."
0: <laughs> Francisco sees all memories with his best friend Chris happening in one type of location.
1: We always make a joke that when we write a play about our friendship, it's going to be eating at fast food joints. Uh, most particularly McDonald's, because I am a McDonald's person. I, he's technically a Burger King man. But uh, McDonald's is still, I think, like the, the corner store for friendship.
0: Folks like Logan have a hard time picking just one memory.
1: It's so hard to draw one memory because we've had so many good memories. I know i
0: totally- Whereas his best friend, Tim, can pinpoint the exact memory there was a moment where I was like I'm going to go with this girl or whatever and they're like he's like trust me you don't want to do that like just come with us and stay and stay at our place we're right by here. I went back to his place, we hung out a little bit longer, we got like some late night food and then he let me crash on his couch and it like snowed. Like the whole thing was just like so beautiful. And Paul can share the exact memory that distills his bond with his late friend Dave a talent show where they rapped very unsuccessfully.
1: We had like a fucking stage show. We had costumes. Like it was real silly. And we get on stage and like we start doing our thing. And one mic drops, second mic drops, talking into it. It's not working. It's awkward. We're like real, we're like getting mad like visibly because like you can't hear us and i remember like we kind of like wrapped it like abruptly we're like yo fuck this like it's not working and then that night we went home and like i remember dave was just like yo that mic situation was suboptimal that was bullshit but like yo we fucking killed that like the whole time i was just like how how did you conclude that And honestly, the coolest part about remembering that was that I didn't really ask for clarification because the potency of that conclusion, the like, duh-ness of it, was super inspiring and like super confidence building. I'm just like, yeah, yo, we crushed that shit.
0: Over the course of two years, I've talked to men like Paul, actually been asking men like Paul to spill the beans on their best friends. Give me your memories and your openness. And throughout all of that, I've been very resistant to having a conversation on tape with my best friend, to have to talk to him about our memories together. A lot of the meetings it seems like, you should talk to your best friend. And I keep going, I don't want to do that.
2: Yeah, no, of course. It's always easier to, like, examine somebody else's you know, backyard than your own, of course.
0: That's my best friend, Eric. I honestly didn't want to do this interview, not because it would be painful, but because I make a show about things I don't want to do sometimes, like check in with a close friend. And because of my delay in doing this, we met at a nearby Mexican restaurant in the midst of a pandemic, where sitting inside one of our apartments wasn't an option. Hence the sound of the loud ass fan in the back courtyard where we sat, and the occasional chip crunching.
2: Here, why don't you tell me who you are? Eric, Mark's best friend, definitely. He is my best friend, I assume it's the same. He's currently my oldest friend as well, by raw date, by any metric.
0: We met in school working on a class project, which neither of us remembers a lot of details about, but we're pretty sure we decided to revolve it around some lyrics from a Jizza song.
2: Yeah, investigative reports. Thinking in my little sixteen-year-old, like I'm talking political, like the media's, you know, lies or whatever it says. But and then I read the lyrics up. I think I think she was, the teacher was into it. Yeah. But so that was like the first interaction that you remember. Yeah, I, I think
0: we had to meet up on a Saturday or something like that. Even as adults, we still communicate through hip hop. 90% of our texts are just us sending each other inaccurate hip hop lyrics.
2: I think the king of them all that probably everybody would reference is nice and smooth. Dizzy Gillespie played the sax, which, you know, he played the trumpet.
0: Since all these years of lyric trading, all that time, I was curious about what memory stood out to him because I knew mine. I, of course, had time to think about it after asking dozens of men about their favorite friend memory. And mine came up months earlier in a conversation with my girlfriend. I just started telling her this memory. We were just in a conversation and I got really emotional. It was like it really took me by surprise. So the memory is. 2004, I, do you remember I went to Europe for like a month? So you drove me to the airport. You gave me a ride and you were like just really excited about about the trip that was coming up for me. But we didn't really talk about anything. We just sort of like flipped through the stations and just BS'd. And then that was it. And that was it. That simple moment. Probably a total of 30 to 45 minutes within a quarter century of friendship is the one that replays in my mind privately. And I was anxious about revealing it and hearing what his was.
2: Hmm. Well, I don't know. I would put them in classes. So we had, obviously in the early days, a lot of um, like club and rave going. And I remember the time that was very early on that we drove all the way to Annapolis from DC for a rave in your car that I, I guess I fucked up whatever and it just wasn't there. It was like the second time we hung out and it was like an hour and a half each way in the car. So that that's a specific thing that sticks out. Afterwards maybe we're all, there's some chemical enhancement and nobody can sleep so we would sit by like the gazebo thing in your old neighborhood, things like that. College time, I would say, like the our apartment, me, Eric, and Al's apartment, just like four people smoking cigarettes inside at the same time with like the windows closed, like incessantly. It's, I don't know how like that's yeah brutal.
0: So he didn't have one specific memory, which was kind of my worry. I wanted one, just one, man. But he did something better.
2: I don't mean to blow your question, but it's sort of tough to I think it just goes with the phases of our lives, which, like you said, goes to show how long it's been. It's been 25 years. So we've literally each gone graduated through these different phases of like being a person. Yeah, so there were definite like that's how I view it. Just definite like chapters overarching chapters and then sub sub chapters within those. And I would say like overall I would say I would say one thing that I appreciate about you about the friendship in general. I think we have it's a good mix of like we don't go too far down the like macho or too like macho guys, you know, route, but then we also don't go too far down the, whatever the opposite path of that is. Like we're just constantly talking about feelings or whatever. I don't know, but it's like, I just, it's a nice mix of like humor. You know, we both like to go out dancing, hear music. Just kind of, it's a good balance. Not that we need to clear the air. Yeah,
0: this is still very meaningful for me. And you're officially still somebody I consider my best friend. I'm happy to hear that you feel the same way. And that's what I've got for you. I'm an adult. I've had friends since I can remember. And I'm still working to understand how to do this. Even Paul is still doing this with Dave. What is your relationship now with Dave and how do you talk to
1: him? I mean, we're we're fucking cool. Like, you know, I mean, I talked to him through the things that, that we shared and... The cool part about the stuff we shared, like music, um, obviously emotions, vulnerability, you know, talking to each other, like that style of communication that I filtered through all my other relationships, like definitely relates back to him.
0: I suppose at this point, after spending two years documenting you and your friends, I should offer some advice on finding or maintaining friendships as an adult. And I've got a few things I've learned. My first like Eric said, is to have close people in your life that allow the best balance of yourself. Two, don't shy away from communication, even if you're scared there won't be a response. Three, locate those memories in your heart and share them before they become a eulogy. And fourth, fess up to shit you stole even if it was 25 years ago. I, I will own up to I think I, I took your Cypress Hill CD.
2: I'm sure there was more stuff like that. I can't remember anything that I've... I remember you always had, like, you know... You actually instilled in me...
0: I'm Mark Bagan, and this has been Season 3 of Other Men need help. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by Mark Pagan. Our season's lead producer is Caitlin May Burke, and our producers are Ben Goldberg and Rebecca Seidel. Rebecca is our lead engineer. The associate producer for this episode is Sierra Franco. Sotio Tapia is our intern. Valentina the Pigeon is our production mascot this season. If you want to see how a bird drops it like it's hot, go to our other men need help Instagram. Original music this season comes from Fulton Street Music Group, composed by Ed Duran and produced by Alex Fulton. Additional instrumentation comes from Ryan Chamberlain and Liam Moore. Our season three illustrations were done by the talented hands of Carmela Calder. Special thanks to Paul, to Eric, the staff at Mescal's on Court Street, and good God, everyone that gave their time to us this season. And do you want more of this season as well as more access and supporting the show at the same time? Become a patron by signing up at patreon.com slash other men need help for as little as five bucks a month. You're going to get a season three bonus episode as well as weekly messages from me, other fun stuff. As an independent production, this boost helps us make the show we love and you love, hopefully. You can sign up at patreoncom help. Thank you for joining us this season. We will be back soon, and until then, adiós, chau, chau,
1: bye.
0: Doing a podcast. Podcast. Yeah, I do a show called Other Men Need Help.
2: Other and men it's... need help. You damn right, man. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right. You're That's, damn the right.
1: right. You're That's the You damn right. Other men need help too. You need help sometimes. Yeah, we you need sometimes. help sometimes.
0: This season, we're looking at friendship between men, uh-huh. just like just spending time, trying to get an understanding, like how, because I hear from a lot of people, like it's tough to keep friends in adults. Oh hell yeah.
1: Okay. How are the friends in your life? I mean, you know, it's tough, man. To say, friend is a, this is a strong word, on, just hand. like love. Friends should be an action word, just like love. Love is an action word, so friends should be right there beside it.